0: Josie DeVidio is a woman with too much time on her hands and a curiosity to explore the human experience with a passion to bring entertaining and informative content to your ears. Real talk, real people. This is Josieology.
1: Hey friends, welcome to Josieology. I am your host, Josie DeVidio. I am a mom, a podcaster, and a wannabe surfer. My guest today is Sean Swentek, who's the executive director of A Walk on Water, which is a group of dedicated surfers and volunteers that provide surf therapy to special needs kids. A Walk on Water is also known as AWOW, so you'll hear us referencing AWOW as AWOW today on the show. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Josie. Thanks so much for having me.
1: You know, I first heard about AWOW when I was scrolling on Instagram, and one of my friends uh, was wearing one of your logo hats, and I think the logo is super cool. And he was wearing it in several images on his feed over time, and so I finally said, hey, what's up with this logo? Like, what's that all about? And he pointed me to AWOW's Instagram page, and I got to tell you, I fell in love with the organization. It was love at first sight for me because... All of the photos on there, first of all, they're beautiful. You have great photographers. But the kids' smiles in the photos just says it all. In fact, I would encourage my listeners to go follow you guys on Instagram and see the photos, not just because they're amazing photos, but just to they really capture the amazing work that the organization is doing. On Instagram, you guys are a walk on water, but if they punch in AWOW, it shows up too, right? So A-W-O-W.
0: You know, I don't know if it'll show up by AOL, so on Instagram, you should probably just type it out, a walk on water, um, but that's, now you're making me wonder if it does. And I'm gonna-
1: I think it does, because I think I tested it out.
0: It, we're certainly known by both names pretty frequently, um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes up, but that's, it's funny that um, you mentioned the logo, it, it's certainly been something that we're really grateful to have such a strong, you know, brand, if you will, and it's been something that's benefited the organization over the years.
1: Now, tell us about AWOW. When did it start, and how did it even come about?
0: Uh, A Walk on Water started in 2012. We're in our eighth season. It was started as an idea put forth by a guy named Pat Notaro, who I've worked with for many years um, with another nonprofit uh, called Surfers Healing, which provides surf therapy to children uh, with ASD, autism spectrum disorder. Uh, Pat and I and some other individuals uh, had a vision of expanding the work that Surfers Healing was doing to really any child with special needs or any disability, uh, and so in 2012 we got some uh, small donation that allowed us to start our dream. Seven and a half years later, uh, grown immensely, we've uh, we've gone from you know year one taking ten kids surfing to this year reaching over 1,500 athletes. It's been a wild ride. There's uh, so much that goes into it. And, you know, I've been in the nonprofit sector for 20 years now. And this is uh, the first time I found myself in the executive director role. And it's been everything I could have asked for and and a bunch of things I didn't want to ask for. But uh, in the end, it's been an incredible blessing in my life. And I just feel really grateful that we've been able to touch so many lives over the years.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised to hear you say that it's only been around a handful of years because judging from the events you guys pull off and the images that I see, I mean, and you have a lot of followers, so it seems like you guys have been around for a lot longer. Is uh, your chapter of AWOW the only one or are there other ones in the country?
0: Uh, This is the only Walk on Water organization. Um, And five years ago, we launched a East Coast-based chapter out of Montauk, New York, um, which has grown quite a bit. We now have a, a strong presence on the East Coast. We just wrapped up a two-day surf therapy event and fundraiser in Spring Lake, New Jersey on the Jersey Shore uh, about three weekends ago, and that was a really successful event. You know, we're, it, it is only seven and a half years old. Um, I will say, I was just reading an, actually an article the other day, the average nonprofit life cycle in the U.S. is like five and a half years, so I take great pride in knowing that we uh, we've made it past that time period and that Uh, We continue to grow and evolve. I appreciate you saying that we seem like we've been around longer than that, and I think that's testament to the people that we brought in from day one to help form, develop, and run the organization. I feel really lucky that I get to work side by side with some incredibly intelligent, emotionally available, and, and you know, just kind souls who give back so much. You know, walk on water continues to be really volunteer-driven, even though I, I moved into a staff position about a year and a half ago, and we've hired two other full-time staff. We're still predominantly you know, volunteer-developed and run organization. We, we lean so much on our amazing board of directors, our advisory board, our leadership teams. Those are really the people who shape the trajectory and are the foot soldiers who allow us to get the work done that we get done on a daily basis.
1: So can you give us an idea of what surf therapy is? Because I had never heard that term until you guys popped up in my feed.
0: Yeah, um, I think we were all sort of looking for a term to help define what it was we did for so many years. You know, there's some surf therapy organizations that have been, have been around since the mid 90s, including Right-A-Wave and Surfers Healing and some others. And surf therapy wasn't really a defined term even back then. Uh, it's something that over the years, as, as many of us have worked in the sector, we were looking for a descriptor to, you know, really represent what it is we do because it's important to distinguish between, you know, a company that provides surf lessons versus an organization that's a nonprofit, generally speaking, that is really providing a therapeutic, evidence-based treatment uh, using the ocean and surfing as the vehicle to deliver that. Um, so I guess that's, yeah, it's funny, I also, um, I sit on the board of a, a nonprofit called International Surf Therapy Organization, which I helped form a couple of years ago, and we act as sort of a, a governing body of sorts and a really support group for all the various surf therapy nonprofits across the world. Uh, there are hundreds now. Uh, and We're actually in the process of trying to arrive at a finite and determined, definitive definition of surf therapy, because I think a lot of people probably slightly define it differently. And we're really trying to get cohesive around that. But in the end, sorry, very long answer to it. That's okay. Is that, uh, you know, surf therapy for a walk on water, at least is the act of guided surf instructions a professionally trained surf instructor, what we call a surf therapist, who for us is almost always riding on the same board with the athlete, the child with special needs, uh, what we call tandem surfing, two people on one board together. And so that what that does is it takes a child who sometimes has never even been in the ocean and very quickly accelerates and, and bypasses the learning curve of surfing. And a child can go from standing on the beach to catching a wave and standing up with the help of the instructor in you know, a 15-minute period. That's and awesome. I think that's where some of the magic and the power is, is that anyone who surfed, and I, I heard you mention that you're inspiring you're surfers, which I applaud you for it's got a huge barrier to entry. It's a very difficult sport to learn. And yes, so I think there's some magic and some power in taking it would be like as someone who was a big fan of basketball, who was a child and taking them and putting them into an NBA finals game, right? It's it's this incredible moment for this child where they can realize a dream and realize that they can do anything, you know, and so there's a lot of empowerment and And things that happen that, you know, that really make surf therapy magical.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really special to see it play out, you know, for me on Instagram. And now that I've been on your website and and seen some of the videos, I mean, as an aspiring surfer, I'm really a wannabe because, you know, I took lessons and it is, you guys make it look so easy. Surfing is not easy at all. Uh, You know, it's hard not just to balance on the board, right? But even just paddling out to the wave is exhausting. You know, my shoulders were killing me after an hour lesson. So (laughs) these little guys just, you know, pop up and smile and enjoy it. It's so, it just is so heartwarming, especially for someone like me who now truly understands how hard surfing really is. So I have mad respect for you guys doing this. You know, you have to be really talented as a surfer and an athlete in your own right, and then also passionate enough to make... This organization work for these kids, and I just think that's
0: awesome. Well, yeah, thank you for saying that, Josie. And you're incre- you're completely correct. Um, we're very blessed to have some of the best surf therapists in the world that volunteer their time with the Walk on Water. These guys and gals are lifetime surfers who many of them have competed professionally. They're people who want to share, you know, the magic of the ocean and what surfing has done for them with these children because they know. How powerful and therapeutic it is! You know, any surfer will tell you that surf therapy is is a real thing that they experience too every time they go in the water. Um, there's a reason surfers start getting grumpy when a couple of days go by without paddling out, and so it's a, it's it's truly a testament to these uh, these surf therapists that we have that they're willing to give up their own surf time in the ocean so that they can provide an experience for these children, these athletes that we serve that is really life changing for them.
1: Yeah, and that's as you were saying, it is really awesome because I believe that, you know, each of us have been given a set of gifts and in whatever way we can use those gifts to serve other people, you know, that's the point. Um, and this is such a great example of that, you know, that you can use your gifts, your talent, your hobby to serve other people. And I can't stress enough how important that is, especially nowadays when people tend to feel kind of helpless in their communities. and you know, they see a lot going on. They don't know what to do. They think someone else should be fixing the problem or or handling it. But everyone has it within their power to take whatever gifts they've been given, whether it's surfing or speaking, or even if you're gifted at being organized, you can volunteer in any capacity and use whatever gifts you have to help the greater cause. So I really applaud you all for doing that.
0: No, that's, and that's well stated. And, and, you know, one of the things I always try to quickly clarify whenever I'm telling someone about surf therapy and about a walk on water, especially someone who might not be a waterman or woman, is that certainly we have our surf therapists and they're incredible and they're highly trained and very specific training, but we have myriad other volunteer opportunities throughout the organization and at the beach that require no special training, no spirit surfing or anything like that. So, you know, whether it's working the registration table, getting the families checked in, helping get the kids in and out of wetsuits. We have a lot of other activities, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, later. But our events are not guest surf therapy. We have a live music area. We have an art station. We have yoga. We have masseuses. We have all sorts of things going on at the beach that really create an environment of respite and and relaxation and, and rebuilding, really, for these families. So uh, I, I welcome any and all to apply to volunteer. You don't have to have any specific ability, but we are always on the hunt for uh, – excellent watermen and women to join our surf therapist ranks and our water safety personnel.
1: I'm glad you said that. And if you're listening to this and thinking that is so cool, I want to help out. I'm going to have all the links to uh, walk on water in the show notes, and it'll be on our Facebook page too. So if you want to go like our Facebook page, it's at joseology podcast and all the information for how to get in touch with Sean and a walk on water will be on there. Now, your events obviously are typically held at the beach, but I know you had a recent event in other locations, but let's talk specifically about the beach events where the kids are. How do you decide what beaches you're going to be at? Is there like a a certain thing you're looking for? Is it always the same beach? How, you know, what part of Southern California are you guys focusing on?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, There's a lot that goes into choosing a location. It's not just, you know, Oh, well, you know, we know this surf break, let's go do this. we're represented on the board of directors by two of our leading surf therapists, Stephen and Ellie. Um, We have a number of other qualified surfers on the board. So there's a lot of thought that goes into the safety of that wave and what they call the break, what the swell patterns are like in that area, um, what kind of wave it is, how it breaks, how steep it is, how mellow it is. Um, And so we're really trying to identify waves that are most conducive to providing the best possible surf therapy for the kids. And then from there, we start bringing in the other factors so for us it always starts with the safety of the experience we don't want to go on some dumping shore break where a kid could get hurt potentially you know we're looking for a mellow point break where um it, it's not too steep and not too wild and, and tends to not get over overrun with big swell and so those are the ideal surf spots and from there um, we start to really invest in the community and identify those partners within the community that allow us to enter that space and host an event there you know we're based in southern california our our home break we probably say is malibu uh surf rider or or, you know ventura c street we kind of operate in that area but as we've grown over the years into new areas we've done it really intentionally and methodically to where we identify champions for the cause within the community and we start to build out relationships in that community we always try to identify uh, a, a few qualified surf programs in the community that can help lend uh, really trusted surf therapists to the event. We look for uh, lifeguards and other agencies in the area that can help you know, provide qualified water safety personnel. We identify businesses that want to participate and provide volunteers for those beach activities. And then we really work to activate that community and make the event something that the community feels they own. We don't ever want to be seen as kind of a walk-on-water event that invades a community and leaves. We want it to feel like this event is owned by the community, provided by A Walk on Water on their behalf to their constituents, and that we're very actively involved in the community on a year-round basis. So that line of thinking has allowed us to be very successful in our growth uh, and you know, really have these little pockets, these communities across the U.S. that uh, show so much support to the organization. It's amazing. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, we just returned from the New Jersey event, which uh, was really made possible by a partnership there with uh, Hammer Surf School, among others, but I wasn't able to attend that event last year because my baby girl had just been born, um, and I was really disappointed. It was one of the first events I've ever missed, and all I heard all year was how amazing it was, and, and it was so true. This year in Jersey, I I, I recognized the hallmarks of a quality walk-on-water event location in that the entire community came out. The mayor of Spring Lake was on the beach both days, volunteering, it just so much community support from all these different businesses, donating breakfast and lunch and coffee. And and that's what allows us to be successful and to be able to return year after year to these event locations and be able to provide uh, the surf therapy to the, the people who live local to those locations year after year and, and create something that can be uh, evergreen and, and available to them forever, hopefully.
1: So there's a lot of community involvement, but how does the main uh, event get funded is there like a fundraising branch for the organization? Is there sponsorship from businesses in the community?
0: Yeah, the fundraising branch is my left arm. So with my right arm, I'm the executive director <laughs> with my left on the fundraising. No, we, uh, we actually have a really great culture of fundraising that's been built in the organization. <laughs> Volunteers without even spurring, every day they're out there, you know, it helps that as you can, you know, the listeners can't don't know this, but you and I are on video right now, and you can see that I'm wearing, you know, a Walk on Water hat, a wow shirt. Um, and every volunteer is like that because they love representing the brand. And so they're out in public, and they run into someone and it says, what is that? And they sit there and proselytize about a Walk on Water and what it means to them. And we have these volunteers and, and supporters who are the biggest champions for the cause and help us immensely on the fundraising side. So really fundraising is multi-channel. We have... Certainly our title partner for the last four years, which is commonly known in the public as Paul Mitchell Hair Care Products, they've been unbelievable. They were brought to us through uh, our board member, Stephen Littman, We've got a relationship with John Paul DeJoria, the, the co-founder of Paul Mitchell, and an amazing philanthropist and human. And through that, that relationship, which has grown year over year, um, we were, were really able to identify a backbone of funding for the organization that, like you said, allowed us to at least host the events, And then from there, we layer on additional levels of support. We'll have um, individual event title partners or what we call event hosts, um, sometimes on a lower level investment. But those are those local organizations in the community that want to come in, have their name tied to the event and really showing that they support the organization. We have a ton of grassroots fundraising that happens. I don't know if you're familiar with the idea of donating your birthday on Facebook. We have tons of volunteers and supporters who every year give up the rights to birthday presents and ask their friends and family to instead make a donation uh, in the name of walk on water through Facebook. And we do really well with that. That's awesome. We have two big fundraisers every year. We just had our West coast fundraiser on Saturday, two days ago at the Jonathan beach club in Santa Monica. It was a big success. It was really exciting for a number of reasons, but one of which is that we had the world premiere of a documentary short film that uh, we made With the help of uh, an incredible marketing company that Pro Bono put this together for us called Media Arts Lab. And so we were able to premiere this documentary that actually looks at the experience of three different athletes and their families from their point of view of what a day with a walk on water is like and the journey that they take and the emotions they overcome and really powerful and, and the most amazing thing that I think we've ever put out. Everyone's interested. I don't know when this will go live, but uh, as of this morning, it's now live on the website, so anyone can go to our website and see the, the full-length video.
1: Yeah, and we'll put a link to your website in the show notes as well. Um, in fact, I should be able to – yeah, the episode won't go live for a couple of weeks, so I should be able to put the link to that video on the Facebook page uh, today so at least people can get familiar with it. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Thank you.
1: Sean, when I when we come back, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you landed with Wow. And maybe you'll share some of your favorite Wow stories with us. Sounds good. Hey, friends. I'd like to formally invite you to join the Joseology Private Facebook group. That's where all the exclusive content, giveaways, and promo codes will be. I have some really cool ones coming up, and I don't want you to miss it. So go ahead and join the group today. But you're going to need a password to get in, so let me give it to you. The password for today's episode is Surfer. If you're enjoying this episode, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews are so important because they help boost the rank of this show, which helps other people find this podcast on their apps. In fact, if you leave a review on iTunes or your favorite platform, stay tuned. I'm going to be giving shout outs to listeners who leave reviews on future episodes. And you never know when you're going to hear your name on Joseology. So, Sean, I understand that you are a distinguished marketing professional, as well as a public speaker. Um, and it sounds like you specialize in humanity-focused businesses. So, I'd like to hear more about that and how that led you to becoming the executive director at AWOL. I uh,
0: appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, I distinguished marketing professional, I've, I've, I've definitely had uh, some, some good success in my career in marketing. Um, I was in that field for a number of years working on behalf of some very large corporations. And like you, you mentioned, I've always had a focus on human-based and human-centric marketing, meaning recognizing that it's humans that you're presenting your your product or service too. And it's not just some blind mass of people. It's really important to understand the value of a one-to-one human-based connection. And I think and it makes me really happy to see it for speaking marketing uh, world that so many brands are starting to embrace that um, and, and go back to the roots of, of really what marketing is meant to be, which is providing a solution to someone's need, whether that be a product or service. And this return to um, identifying the needs of unique individuals and, and being there with a targeted, you know, approach and product is, is something that makes me really happy to see. I was really big into social media from the early days of Friendster and MySpace and Facebook. And so my my majority of my marketing career was focused on digital and social. And that was always exciting for me because I'm social by nature. I love talking to people. I love talking to a little mm-hmm. verbose, and I apologize.
1: No, not at all. That's great.
0: But I love to storytell and I love to um, network and I love to connect people who need to be connected. I, I always used to say, like, I, I specialize in bringing people together who either were meant to or needed to come together over a cause, a, a job, a, a relationship, whatever it might be. I'm like the matchmaker of the business world. I didn't always uh, work in the nonprofit sector or even volunteer. I was about 19, so 20, you know, I'll be 40 in a couple months here. So I was 19 when I was working at a restaurant. And my boss said, you should come volunteer with me with Special Olympics. I've been volunteering with them for a few years, and it's a really great experience. I said, sure, why not? Immediately fell in love, uh, jumped in headfirst there, and, and volunteered very consistently with them, and I still do to this day. But I was elevated to the games management team. I helped oversee operations for their winter games. Uh, And then, really exciting for me, uh, it was right when snowboarding was getting very popular. And I was really the only person who snowboarded out of all the volunteers, all the rest were skiers. And so they looked to me to help develop the snowboarding program and help uh, create it and run it. And that was a really wonderful experience for me and and, an eye opener into the. I don't want to say difficult, but the, um, the very complicated world of nonprofit management. But uh, I just, I fell in love immediately with Special Olympics and the focus on providing unique experiences and play for children with special needs and adults as well, who wouldn't normally have that opportunity or ability to experience that, you know, without their support. So that for me was just an eye opener into the importance of creating levels that, you um, Leveling the playing field, really, for kids across the world. And so, for me, I—that's I, when I started focusing on youth-focused nonprofits, and I volunteered um, for Children's Miracle Network and and you know a bunch of other children-based nonprofits. And then I was really lucky that I was introduced through a friend to Surfers Healing, who I mentioned earlier, and I started volunteering with them in '01 or 02. and. The really funny thing, and, and, you know, you talked about being a aspiring surfer. I had never surfed at that point in my life. I think I was about 22. But I had grown up at the beach. I played semi-professional beach volleyball, and I, I would jump in the water and, and body surf between sets, but I was never a surfer. There was surfer's healing. I just fell in love with it because what I had seen with Special Olympics was powerful. What I saw with surf therapy and surfer's healing was transformational. I saw children... Who were in a terrible state emotionally physically mentally really lashing out violently and and just screaming and then they would enter the water and come out literally transformed you wouldn't you would swear it wasn't the same child and so i immediately said you know there's something really powerful and magical happening here and and it's true and it's why i mentioned earlier that any surfer any person who goes in the ocean will tell you there's something cleansing and magical about going into these bodies of water there's just it's, we're still trying to figure out what it is exactly, but we know there's a lot of factors at play. And, and so I dove in head first at that point And, and, you know, I started surfing. I'm still a terrible surfer. I'm, <laughs> to be clear, I'm not one of our surf therapists and I don't think I ever will be. But yeah, that's, that's a little of my journey. I probably got ahead of your question.
1: No, no, that's fine. You know, I can only imagine what this means for the kids, as you said that, you know, they come out of the water and it's, it's like, they've been transformed. How do, you know, we've talked about AWOWS having, you know, the need for human power, right? Volunteers to help you come and pull off the events. We know that, of course, they could financially support a walk on water to continue with their mission. But what I want to know is how do our listeners who have kids with special needs, how do they bring their child to the event? How do they register for this? How do they find out more?
0: Yeah, I'm thankful that you uh, brought that up. So anyone who's interested in participating in any way would just visit our website. And then for a family that has a child with special needs, they would want to create an account by registering on the site. And then they would go to the event page and look at the various events that we have. And then they would RSVP for an event that they would like to attend with their child. There's never a cost to attend for families. We never will charge with children with special needs, by and large, are financially compromised. It's incredibly expensive to raise a child with special needs. We don't ever want to be an additional financial burden there. The one thing I'll say, and this is you know, something that has driven us uh, to grow over the years, is that the demand vastly outpaces the available opportunities to experience therapy. And so we as a as a team have always said, we don't want to ever lose the magic of a walk on water event. And a lot of that that is tied to the very one-to-one nature of the volunteer to athlete experience and really across multiple volunteers. And so we don't ever want to have more than a set number of attendees per event. We don't want to try to, you know, get to where we're, you know, cycling kids in and out of the water nonstop. We want these children to spend time with each volunteer that they get to know and really create lasting bonds. So the only way for us to allow the opportunity for more people to attend is to create more actual event locations. Uh, long story short, I am 99% sure that all, all available spots are taken for the rest of the year. But that being said, we do have wait lists for each event and at, at least five to 10 families get uh, brought in off the wait list for every event because, you know, naturally things come up and families can no longer attend So I would encourage anyone who's looking to participate this year to go ahead and get on the wait list for any of the events and then, um, you know, follow us on social media and just be on the lookout for around January when we announce the events for next year because they fill up so fast. And it's really frustrating for me. Like, I wish that I could provide therapy to every kid that needs it. But I mean, we're talking millions of kids in America alone. So we, we do what we can. We can't serve everyone, but we know that we have the ability and the duty to serve every child we can and every family we can uh, with the best possible experience.
1: What are AWOW's plans or goals for the future? I mean, it sounds like you want to obviously hold more events to help more kids, but do you guys have a set vision in mind?
0: Yeah, we, we have, I'll tell you what, our set vision isn't related to more of anything. It's to better everything. We are, Relentless in our pursuit of perfection, which sounds like a tagline for an auto company now. Thinking about it, (laughs) Um, we are almost hypercritical of ourselves in the quality of the events that we put out there, and the way that we do it, and the way the families are touched and affected by the events. And so, we're one of those organizations that, after every event, and from an outsider's perspective, you could say, "Oh my God, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Not a hair out of place. Everything was perfect." And on the inside, we're like, oh my gosh, we can't believe we didn't do this. And why did we do this this way? We should have done this. Next time we're gonna do this. And so for us, there's just a a continual recognition that we can always be better. So our set plan is to continue to get better, continue to do more with what we have. As it pertains to growth, certainly we would like to grow into more areas and have more events. There becomes a, a time and point where you sort of reach critical mass on what you can deliver as an organization without starting to fray the edges and have people, you know, overcommitted and overwhelmed and expecting too much of a volunteer base that is already giving so much. You know, we're not a large nonprofit by any means. We don't have millions of dollars at our disposal to just grow and grow and, and do more. So we have to be really cognizant of this fine balance that has to exist between growth and still providing the experience we believe is so important to uh, providing the best possible surf therapy experience. So that's that would be my answer to definitive plans. I will say that we're always we're always looking to figure out new ways that we can reach the community and reach more kids in need. We actually uh, just announced for the first time ever we are launching a. What we're we're referring to it as breaking the lock, but we're taking we're bringing a landlocked family from Central, not Central America, but from the central part of America, the United States, and flying them out to the beach to participate in an event. Oh, that's cool! A really exciting monumental undertaking for us. It's something we've talked about for years. We've always felt frustrated at the the fact that a a family that lives within driving distance of the beach has the opportunity to experience surf therapy, and a family In you know, this first family we're flying out is from Montana. Uh, They don't have an ocean there. And so there's this unbalanced situation as far as uh, access to surf therapy, which we believe is crucial um, to these kids. So we're super excited to be launching that. We we expect to grow that program and reach more kids in need that would never have had the opportunity.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier that most of our events are in the ocean, but that we had done something different last year. We went to a man-made wave park and we actually provided surf therapy to these families located in central texas yeah texas has some oceans but they're not exactly known for waves and they're quite a ways away from that so it was a really amazing experience to provide that to these kids on a man-made wave um, and as i spoke with the families who were in tears at the opportunity you know it, i realized that yes the ocean is magical and powerful but i think surf therapy There's a future for surf therapy for people who aren't near the ocean. And I think the the man-made wave parks, which are starting to grow in all sorts of places in the world, are going to play a large part in reaching um, a number of people in need across the world.
1: Yeah, I hadn't even considered that, but that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of wave parks, you know, in places where they don't have oceans. So that's definitely a way that this can expand.
0: Absolutely.
1: What are some of your favorite stories? from your events or, or relating to the kids that you can share with the listeners?
0: You know, I, I, there's so many. I mean, I could tell you stories for days about thousands of families that we work with. Um, one of our favorites is to always talk about Jacob because he's been surfing with us from day one. He's a really special kid and his family um, are longtime supporters and volunteers as well. Jacob was around four years old when he started surfing with us. He was a difficult... Child at times. He's on the autism spectrum. He had uh, issues with lashing out and being physically violent at times. And it was really difficult the first time to get him in a wetsuit and get him out in the ocean. It was, I mean, physically difficult. But there was something that happened and that was really magical the first time he surfed with Stephen, uh, one of our instructors that I mentioned. Stephen, you know, managed to paddle him out to the outside of the lineup and they just kind of sat out there and he got him to calm down and kind of played with him in the ocean, splashing water and, and whatnot, and got him calm enough where he felt he could paddle him into a wave. They ended up catching a few waves. And I saw Stephen come in, you know, sometime later with Jacob. and could see how exhausted he was. It's, it's physically demanding on the, on the surfer when the child is thrashing about. and uh, But he said, you know, it was amazing to see, you know, once he let go of all his anxiety and he let the ocean and the water sort of wash over him, how calm he became and how, relaxed and how he felt his whole demeanor and everything changed Um, and Stephen said you know it was was so incredible to see all that happen and then for you know after a couple waves for Jacob to say you know more and surf and you know ocean and parents like what are you talking about he's four years old he's never spoken in his life he doesn't speak Stephen's like he was just talking to me out in the ocean so that was a pretty amazing thing and Jacob's uh, almost 11 now and might actually be 11 now, and he'll come right up to you and have a full conversation with you and talk to you like he's your friend and it's been incredible to see the development. And yeah, there's, uh, we have had multiple families say that their child spoke their first words after surfing. We have almost every family to a T talks about how their child is so calm and relaxed and sleeps, they sleep the whole car right home from the beach and they never do that. And then they sleep all well that night, they never sleep all well night. They have their best week at school after that and they were terrible at school and their behavior improves and this improves. So it's really exciting to hear that it's not just that experience at the beach that's so powerful for the child, but that it's changing their behavior and the things they do outside of the event. That's improving the life of the child and the life of their family who have to deal often with, you know, the outbursts and the issues that accompany special needs quite often.
1: Absolutely.
0: So that's the really exciting stuff for us. And also a a place where we're doing a lot of research. We just finished up a research study this last year into the effects of surf therapy. And we're looking, we collect data at every event. We do pre and post event surveys with the families to understand, you know, how the the surf therapy affects their child and their family. Um, And we're looking forward to in 2020 launching a multi-year longitudinal study to really uh, understand what it is that surf therapy is and why it has this positive therapeutic effect. It's, for us, a vital piece of the puzzle that will enable, we hope, surf therapy to become a prescribable form of treatment in the future in the U.S., something that insurance would cover. And all of a sudden you talk about it being an available form of therapy to so many more people who might otherwise not have been able to afford it or have access to it prior.
1: Wow, that, that's awesome. I mean, that's pretty forward thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. i, I got to be honest.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. You know, Sean, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and specifically today to chat with me. Um, I've been curious about a walk on water for a long time. Um, so for me, it's awesome that I get to have your ear and chat with you today directly about all the great work you guys are doing. And I wish you and a walk on water the best as you continue on with your mission.
0: I really appreciate that, Joe. It means a lot
1: friends if you'd like to support a walk on water see the show notes on this episode's listing or on our website joseology.com that's where i'm going to list their contact info as well as their social media platforms you can also go to our facebook page at joseology podcast and i'll have all that info there as well And if you do end up volunteering with them, do me a favor, snap some photos and post them to our Facebook page because I would love to see you guys in action with the Walk on Water. Have a great day, y'all.